cliffcentral.com. It is time for It's Going to Be Okay with Dr. Hanan Bushkin. He's a renowned psychologist, also head of the Anxiety and Trauma Clinic in Johannesburg. And we received an anonymous email this week. But let's first welcome Dr. Hanan. Hey, Doc, how are you? Hey, guys, how are you doing? Good. Happy Monday. Hey. Happy Monday to you, too. All right, so I've got an anonymous email from uh, one of one of our listeners, and I know we like these anonymous emails because uh, usually they've got quite juicy stories. But um, obviously, for the people involved, it's it's not so easy for them to reveal who they are, and that they are there are you know things that they're worried about. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna read it, and you can help us wade through it. So I have been in a relationship with my fiance for ten years. We were high school sweethearts. We have a child together. He recently confessed having cheated multiple times and says it stems from trust issues he developed in past relationships. I mean, they were high school sweethearts, so what past relationships? Yeah, anyway, how many past relationships? Where he was cheated yeah. on by women he loved. On the two times I caught him, he justified it by saying it's because of me either frustrating him or not being there for him, which pushed him away. So he's blaming her, clearly. I've also cheated in the past, but he claims to have forgiven me, and he says he trusts me. He claims the cheating was never physical. It was just a matter of him needing someone to talk to. This has caused a rift in the relationship. I'm not sure if I can ever trust him again. Can he get over his past securities? How do I trust him again? We were planning a future together since we have a child, and we're willing to work things out. But maybe you can help. So, complicated, right? Um, not so much, actually. Okay. It's uh, quite uh, It's quite simple, Uh you should never use your past as a, as a justification for current or future behavior, especially if the current or future behavior is dysfunctional. Uh-huh. You know, you're not a child anymore. You know, when you are four years old, you're being dictated to in terms of what to wear and where to go to school and what to eat and uh, uh, who you're going to be friends with and your sleeping routine. But as you move into adulthood, you make choices for yourself. You have... Uh, the power to control your next move. You're an adult. You can control your behavior. You know, you must understand that we as human beings, we can pretty much justify anything. And we do justify anything. Yeah. So we can justify bad behavior just to help us sleep well at night. And so the truth is I don't buy the idea of my past behavior or my past experience of making me behave this way. I don't buy it. I don't buy it as an adult because my question to this particular adult, the husband is, is this current behavior working for you? Is it making your life better? There are kids involved. Yeah. Is it making the family unit better? And uh, listen, I can justify, I can justify any behavior. And uh, again, the question is not what has happened, but rather are you behaving in a way now is your personal behavior now functional and serving a great purpose. Remember, I keep on repeating this on the show because it's that important. The difference between children and adults is children judge their behavior based on how they feel. Right. So if it feels good, it must be good. And if it feels bad, it must be bad. They use their emotions as a barometer. Adults don't use their emotions as a barometer. Adults judge whether what they should be doing uh, whether what, whether what they're doing is right or wrong based on whether it services a particular goal, not based on feelings. Feelings are irrelevant. So now when he's confronted with all these options, you know, sleeping with other women, um, being with other women, breaking away from the family trust and the family unit, it doesn't service his goal. And I'm assuming it doesn't 
and therefore it's completely dysfunctional. So to answer, she had the anonymous emailer had two questions. One, can you get over it? Uh, well, the answer is as an adult, he should be. Right. If he matures up, he should be. Of course, there's no reason why he wouldn't, unless there's something functionally wrong with him uh, and uh, he remaining as a child. Unless that's the case, then of course he can get over it and he must get over it for the sake of the family. It's not about him, it's about the family. And the second question is, how does she begin to trust again? Well, I see this so often in my practice where these women or the other way around, these men, but let's just talk about these women. They come into my practice and go, Hanan, my husband is having an affair. He's cheating on me. Mm-hmm. How do I begin to trust again? So I say to these women, we'll bring him to therapy so we can have a conversation together. And a lot of the times they're just not prepared to. And my answer is, well, you can't build the trust on your own. Right. You just cannot dance this dance on your own. The way you're going to rebuild the trust is through current and future experiences proving to you that you can trust. So if the person keeps on breaking the rules of the game, how do you trust again? So the analogy that I've used before is relationships are like a game and you've got to define the rules quite clearly. If you and I decide to play chess, and well, that's the rules are pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Now, you imagine you break the rule. You start moving pieces in a way that's not allowed. Yeah. Well, how do I begin to trust you again? Well, I can't trust you unless you stop breaking the rules. I can't do this on my own. If you keep on breaking the rules, at the end of the day, I don't want to play with you. So my answer to her is, how does she begin to trust again? Well, she can't. She cannot do this uh, by herself. She can't do this on her own. She has to, first of all, there's a couple of things. Number one, she has to acknowledge that what he did was wrong. And the reason why he has to acknowledge that what he did was wrong is one of the eight fundamentals of a romantic relationship is shared values, common and shared values. We both must value our primary value must be the same. There's a lot of gray areas in relationships, very few black and white values. Right. And the black and white we have to share. So first of all, he has to acknowledge that what he did was wrong. Second of all, he has to assure her one, through language, that's the first thing that it will never happen again. And three, give it time. Give yourself time talking to the wife. Give yourself time. Give him time to prove himself right. So in other words, if he says, listen, I am trustworthy. I, you can trust me again. You can rely on me. I am consistent. I am predictable. I am honest. Well, give yourself time to, to give him time to prove that to you. With time, you'll begin to trust again. So, Doc, I mean, <clears throat> I'm listening to you, and, and this sounds a little bit like, if you if you'll pardon me being crude about it, it sounds like the Kame liquidation. I mean, either you decide that there's enough in it to save the company, uh, there's a business here that's worth saving, there's a, something worth putting money into, in, in, in the case of relationship, time, effort, uh, or it isn't, and you just have to dissolve it and liquidate it. Is that a very cold way of looking at it? Because that, to me, you have to approach these things with, as you say, um, you know, your brain rather than your heart. Uh, and, and people, yeah. I, I know when you, when you say it, it just sends shivers down some people's spines when you say emotion is not what adults should be dealing in. Your feelings are yeah. not important in this situation. Apply your mind to it. Think about the, the advantages, the disadvantages, how much you care, how much you want things to work, what the, what the pluses and the minuses are, and then, and then go for it and, and put in the work, which is a lot harder. But 
when, whenever you and I say, or you usually say, the feelings are irrelevant, I know that there are thousands and thousands of people listening to that going, Ugh, that makes me very uncomfortable. Why is that? Why is, because I know, I, know why, I know why you're saying it. I get it. That's how I like to think. Why is it that so many people, when they hear the words, your feelings are irrelevant, they pack up, they shut down, they don't listen? I think a lot of it has to do with the, the fact that we've been conditioned to, by, by you know, media and movies and people around us who say, follow your heart. You know, what is your heart telling you? Um, you know, what is your destiny? And, and that removes all of the reality of, hang on, let me just look at the facts here. Do you think, is that part of yeah. it, Doc? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I mean, what is the, I mean, it will take us uh, probably about 100 episodes to go into what our emotions, how emotions are created. But in a nutshell, emotions, they're not connected to a real divine uh, prophecy or a real divine entity that tell you the truth again i can feel bad grab a cup of coffee and within three seconds i feel good again uh, the coffee changed my emotions that's the truth i can have a donut and feel really good again exactly you know, that's the reality right so you feel like having a divorce grab a cup of coffee and suddenly you're madly in love so <laughs> that's the reality ah. so emotions are not a true north or a true guide in terms uh -huh. of what you should be doing and you should never fall in love with your with your heart first never ever 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 sure because emotions don't don't highlight what it's going to be like in a year's time or in two years time or in five years time you don't know and by the way people say well logic doesn't either but logic is a much greater predictor of what's going to happen down the line than emotion is for sure now people will say to me when it comes to love should you never fall if you never feel it the answer is of course you should but head first heart will follow head first heart will follow but to your point gareth you know you know what i believe in terms of the coin theory mm -hmm. you know my belief and my philosophy about the coin theory yes and for those of you who don't know the coin theory is you wake up every morning and the universe grants you 100 coins 100 units of energy mm -hmm. use it as you wish those moments of coins are up your body goes good night and you wake up the next morning with another 100. Mm -hmm. the problem is when you run out of coins at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and now your body's not tired, but now you're going to be functioning at a deficit. Yeah. And then something has to give. Your mental health, your physical health, your awareness, your ability to see opportunities, your ability to face challenges, something has to give. You can't run at a deficit. There has to be a cost somewhere. Yeah. And we know we know we engage with certain people, certain entities, or certain things, and we start with 80 coins, and two minutes later we're at zero. <laughs> we know those people. We know those environments where we like, oh, my God, I just need a break. And we know the other way around as well. We can start with 20 coins, speak to somebody for five minutes, and suddenly we're at 80 coins. Mm -hmm. We know those people too. And I want everybody to be aware of where they invest their coins and be very stingy with where they invest it. So to your point, Gareth, with regards to the marriages, ask yourself, is, am, I gonna, am I getting out more than I'm putting in? Mm -hmm. And marriage is not there for any other reason except to make you better. Why would you be with somebody that doesn't make you better? Yeah, but it's doc, ridiculous. Doc, there's also, be there seems to be, and, and I can't help thinking that it comes, this compulsion comes from religion, where people feel like suffering has to be a part of the picture. You know, there are a lot of people who build mm -hmm. suffering into their relationships. And, and the reason I'm, I'm giving religion a bit of a short end of the stick here is because sacrifice is such an important part of most religion, right? Uh, if, you, if you don't sacrifice something, you won't get something as a reward. Um, you take the risk, you get the reward, but sacrifice is important because you're delaying 
gratification so that the future you can do better than the present you. Um, in, in relationships, I've seen people saying, oh, no, no, our relationship is really hard. I, we have to work at it every single day. It's always compromise. It's always uh, – we, we're mostly unhappy, um, and we, we don't necessarily get out more than we put in, but that's what it's all about. And it's almost as if they're, they're enjoying the suffering. Now, what do you make of that? Yeah. You know, they did this research. Um, they, uh, to, to very famously, I'll give you the title and the name, but they asked a group of people to go to the doctor, and mm-hmm. the doctor would administer two types of treatment, painless treatments and painful treatments. Okay. And uh, so the painless treatments were like, well, go home and do some exercise or go home and eat better or go home and get some rest. Right. And the painful treatment was the, the doctor would administer some painful form of maybe um, administer um, injections or some form of physical manipulation. Mm-hmm. And they asked these subjects uh, a week later who felt better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they found that the people that were administered the painful, even though they were absolute nonsense, the painful treatments, mm-hmm. they felt better because there was suffering involved compared to the painless treatments. Actually, you wouldn't go back to the doctor that says, listen, you don't need anything, just go home and get some rest. Because you think, like, why am I paying this doctor for? But the doctor that massages me or injects me with even nothing with saline solution, I find a lot more effective, even though it's nothing, just because I feel the suffering. I feel like my body's working to, uh, my body's suffering through this pain, which is very helpful in inverted commas to your point. So suffering, for some reason, us as human beings, we place a lot of value on it, but for no real reason. Look, to be fair, in relationships, there is a compromise. There's no question. There are challenges. There's no question. There are moments of, I need to work with this. There's no question. But should it be sufferable? Never, ever, ever, ever. You know, I always give the analogy, and this is important. If you take anything out of today, this is it. When you go to the gym Mm -hmm. and you're lifting heavy weights, there's a big difference between... uh, when you're lifting a heavy weight between straining and being injured. Yes. Between straining and being injured. You know when you're lifting a heavy weight and you're doing some form of exercise and you feel like it's heavy and your body's straining versus when, oh, I pulled something. Now, I ask people, how do you know the difference between strain and an injury? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, well, I just know. I just know. Your body just lets you know that this is no longer a strain on my body. This is not an injury. And I say to people in a relationship, you should feel like perhaps you're straining, but never you're injured. Because when it feels like you're injured, the relationship is wrong. Something is broken. You should stop doing the exercise. You should stop doing the exercise and reevaluate the way you're doing things. Hmm. If you're straining, it's good. It allows you to grow. It allows you to self-develop. It allows you to be better. That's great. Yeah. But the moment you're injured, reevaluate your routine in the gym and reevaluate your routine in a relationship. There's some good advice, um, and and there is nothing noble in suffering. I mean, a, a lot of people feel like suffering has to be part of everything that they do. Um, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, there's there is there's something to be said for compromise. There's something to be said for sacrifice. All of those things are important, but I don't think suffering needs to be built in, unless you're a bit of a what do they call them the 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 misogynists, right? And not the misogynists, masochists, masochists, masochists. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it self-flagellation? 
Yeah, but I mean, masochism. Should, that's what it is. They shouldn't be suffering. They shouldn't be suffering. There shouldn't be any injury in a relationship. You shouldn't suffer. The moment somebody comes into my practice and says, I'm suffering, yeah. I'm like, well, you're in trouble. There shouldn't be suffering. There should be a challenge. There should be a strain. There should be compromise. There should be a challenge. There should be a million different synonyms for this is not easy. It's that's okay. But never, ever, ever suffering. The moment you're suffering in anything, by the way, in yeah. a relationship, in a job, at the gym, whenever you're suffering with any activity, you should question whether the activity is right or wrong. There we go. So that, that puts paid to a lot of people's uh, theories this morning. I'm sorry if you joined the show this morning thinking that your feelings were going to be relevant or thinking that mm-hmm. suffering was noble because uh, Dr. Hanan has just disabused you of both of those notions. <laughs> Absolutely. It's irrelevant. Your feelings right. are irrelevant. But, but it doesn't, we don't have to get emotional about it. It's the truth. Right. The feelings are irrelevant. Make decisions based on whether it services the goal. Mm-hmm. 100%. The, the art time that we'll do a show when feelings are relevant, but for the most part, making a choice for the long term, put your feelings aside and make a decision whether it services the goal. Spot on. All right, Doc, thank you so much. Those are very, very big nice and important you, things we can learn on a Monday morning. First thing, start your week with that, and you can't possibly go wrong. All right, Doc, we'll see you in a week's Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Nice to see you. See you later. Very good. By the way, if you have a specific issue that you want to bring up with Dr. Hanan, we can do that for you. You can remain anonymous if you prefer. Just send us an email, contact at cliffcentral.com, and we will not mention your name if you tell us not to, just like anonymous in the case of this email. Um, We've had people who come on and they're happy to talk about their situation. If you want to do that, you're welcome. We would love to hear from you. Give us a an email, drop us an email, we'll be sure to put you in contact with Dr. Hanan Bushkin. Cliffcentral.com